unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, your place for the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, your no excuses coach, the place where I help you guys overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you're live or on the replay, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you. And we are set to have another incredible show tonight with our very special guest who I'll be introducing here in just a second. But those of you guys uh, that know me, you guys know I'm part of the organization called Help Heal Humanity. And one of the things that I'd really love for you to do is to go check us out. You know, it's something I'm super passionate about. And you guys know, if you've been following me for any length of time, that one of the things that's most important to my heart is that whenever, whenever we're feeling down or we have troubles or, or we're just not feeling as excited about life, one of the greatest things that you can do is you can go give yourself or go give something of yourself to help other people who are in need. And of course, the entire world right now is under stress and, and dealing with a lot of uncertainty. So one of the things that we invite you to do here from the Raw and Scripted Show is to go check out helphealhumanity.org. For you guys listening on the uh, the, the podcast, helphealhumanity.org. It's a phenomenal organization. I've been proud to be on the board of directors here for uh, nearly two years. And the impact that we are striving to make make throughout the world to actually help heal humanity is is truly inspiring. Serena Buffalino, our CEO and founder is a remarkable person who has absolute abundant energy and passion for helping those in need, whether it's in Haiti or Spain or Canada or here in the United States or anywhere the world over. So if you feel inclined, please go check us out at helphealhumanity.org and check out the volunteer tab. We're hiring for a couple of board positions. So if you feel like you would like to be on the board of directors, all of these positions, here's something that's very special about the organization. Every position, including the CEO, unpaid. We all volunteer and donate our time for this organization because that's how much, that's how passionate we are about making sure that every dollar as much as possible can go directly to the cause that for which that we are uh, raising money for. So it's uh, unlike any other organization. I'm proud to be a part of it. So thank you for entertaining that. And please go check out helphealhumanity.org. And tonight our conversation is going to be designed around what we can do to change the conversation that's going on within these two things, within our ears, our brain. We all know that the language that we use within ourselves is paramount and crucial into really designing the life that we want. You know, we know that if we use um, negative words, if we use things or statements like, you know, I always screw up or I'll never be happy or I'll never find the right person. We know that that conversation between our head does not lend itself to be able to achieve those goals. So what we have to do is really rewire the conversations that we're having in our head to be able to have that ultimate authentic self-confidence and be able to really drive home the fact that we're all unique people here having this amazing existence and where it is that we focus our energies, where it is that we focus our thoughts and everything else in our actions really will dictate what type of life we have. So I'm excited to have on the show tonight, Ben, uh, Zadi. He is an amazing gentleman, and we're going to be talking about all things mind, body, and health fitness. Ben, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? Christopher, I am honored to be here with you. We're going to have an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for having me, brother. 
You are welcome. Thank you for taking the time. I want to jump right into it. And, you know, some of the things that I've been asking my guests recently is really thinking about what we've all been through over the last two and a half years. You know, when I think about March 20th, 2020, when, when the, the first six weeks lockdown happened here in the United States, you know, that was quite a shift for all of us. And then we thought it was going to be over and we were going to go back to normal. What has the last two and a half years been for you, both personally and what you have seen in the world around you? Great question to start off the conversation. I always believe everything is on the way, not in the way. So whenever we go through challenges, I'm always thinking about what can I learn? How can I take this lesson, uh, turn it into an opportunity? So for me specifically, the last two and a half years have been absolutely incredible. I mean, the benefit of the world who is going through COVID, now there's some drawbacks, of course, and I'm not discounting that, but the benefit is that people are now becoming aware of how important their health is. They're starting to understand that your health is your wealth. It's the most important asset you have. And like Jim Rohn said, you better treat your body well. It's the only place you have to live. So as people are understanding that, they're looking for ways to get healthy and they're discovering me and my work and my books, et cetera. So it's been great because I've been able to educate and help more people. But also it's been you know very challenging to see people go through very difficult times, whether it's losing a job or getting sick or even people losing their lives. So I always believe in the law of polarity, which is a universal law. Up, down, left, right, black, white, there's always going to be a positive for a negative. Right. So I find myself infatuated with all the positives, I humble myself and remind myself of the negatives and remain in the, the middle, right? Same thing. If I find myself focusing on the negative, I put myself, my attention on the positive and then meet in the middle. So for me, there's always going to be a balance. And I think there's an incredible opportunities to be learned in the last two, two years plus. Mm, yes. I love that. I love that. I mean, it's, it's the thing I've seen, Ben, honestly, is it's the craziness is that I've seen a lot of people like move forward with their life, you know, take risks and start their own businesses and do things that they've always talked about that. It's been like, okay, this is the leverage point for me to, to get off my ass and start doing more things with my life. But I've also seen a lot of people regress and go into a blame cycle or go into a victim cycle. Talk to us about that. What do you think holds people back in, in especially like stressful times? Why do people go back to that safety and that security and that certainty versus taking that leap and actually going out then truly living their life? Ah, you got some great questions, Chris. Thanks. Well, when you think, I'm going to give you an analogy that I learned from Dr. Wayne Dyer. Ah, I love him. Amazing, amazing legend, right? Mm -hmm. He always used to share, what happens when you squeeze an orange? What comes out of an orange when you squeeze it? Well, orange juice, obviously, because it's the, juice that's in the orange, right? So when life squeezes you and applies pressure, what comes out is what's inside of you. Ooh, so for it. those who have retracted and those who have went back in fear, that's because those were the thoughts you were having every single day, what was inside of you. And then life applied pressure, boom, just like the orange, the juice came out. But for those who were thinking abundantly like you, Chris, and myself, and always understanding that we are in control, we are the victors, not the victim, when life applies pressure, we actually could get out of that with a much better a future. We are taking responsibility and ownership. For me, 2020 was the best year that I ever have in my business. 2021, nice. 2021 passed that. And then 2022 is already on its way to beating that, right? So that was inside of me. It was what squeezed me, the pressure. And then the what came out was what was inside, which is our daily thoughts. So I would, rec I would recommend working on the inner size, work on those 60,000 thoughts you have each day, what comes out of you when life squeezes pressure is what's inside of you. 
Ooh, we're already getting off to a kick-ass start, brother. I appreciate that. One of the questions I've, I've given as my way of giving back, you heard me in the opening, I, I'm just very big about giving back and giving to those in need, yeah. as my way of keeping you know people's uh, uh, energy levels and their and their their focus levels up, I've, I've given a lot of complimentary coaching sessions over the last couple of years, probably about a little over 100. And I'm finding there's a couple of uh, patterns that I've seen, and I want to talk about those tonight. One of the patterns that I've seen is people tell me, Chris, I'm doing the best I can. And so for me, I immediately go into, I'm the no excuses coach. So I immediately go into, okay, define for me what your best is. And I've found that that is such an incredible conversation. I would like to ask you that. What, what do you believe people's best are and what can we do them to, what can we do for them to inspire them to find a bigger best? Mm, I love that you're the no BS coach. Um, yeah, well, what your best is, is according to your awareness. You can only do as good as what you're aware of, right? So you want to expand your awareness. And there's a big difference between saying you're going to try something and be interested in something versus saying, I'm committed to doing it. When you're trying, you are setting yourself up. It's kind of like failure with honor. That's what trying is. But when you're committed, you do whatever it takes to get the job done. You don't make excuses. You get only results, no matter what no matter what you need to do, right? So when somebody's committed, they're throwing their hat over the fence and they force themselves to go get that hat no matter what they need to do. So there's a big difference there. But awareness is the biggest thing there. Whenever somebody tells me I'm doing the best I can, you know, I don't think I could do this and whatever self-limiting belief they have, I help them understand that the self-limiting thoughts they have, we all have them, but those thoughts and those self-limiting beliefs have nothing to do with your potential and who you are as a human being. They have everything to do with your paradigm, your learned behaviors and experiences. It's just the shackles that you put on yourself. And I always give the story of a baby elephant born in Africa. This baby elephant born into the world, they're putting this baby elephant to work all day, every single day. And at the end of a long day's work, they tie these shackles, these chains around the ankles of the baby elephant, stake it into the ground, and leave that baby elephant overnight until it goes to work in the morning. And that baby elephant tries to break free and, and, and break free from the shackles, but it's just a baby elephant. It can't break free. So it gives up trying after a few weeks. And what happens is years later, that elephant is now a full-grown beast, capable of pulling 10 times his own body weight, capable of pulling a railroad cart that's loaded. And they put the, sh the same shackles around the ankles, stake it into the ground overnight, and the, bait, and the big elephant doesn't even attempt to escape. It has been conditioned to believe when those chains are around your ankles, you're stuck. The, baby, the, the, the beast of an elephant could run away and break free, but it will actually sit there until it dies. That's the chains that the shackles have conditioned that elephant to believe it's stuck. So my question to you, if this is resonating with you, is what are the chains you put on your ankles? What's holding you back? What self-limiting beliefs and how can you break through them that's where the magic happens. Oh, I love that. Definitely As, asking yourself the internal questions. I believe, um, you know, you ask better questions, you get better answers. And also yeah. the thing of be careful of the questions you ask, you might not like the answers you get. For me, it's, you know, what you said is beautiful. The conditioning process that we go through, I'm, I'm a, my son's five years old. 
And I've been a massive fan of learning child psychology over the years to make myself a better coach and to better understand myself and recognizing what happens, that conditioning process that happens between zero and five years old and learning about the fact that our brains are born smaller because we have to fit through the birth canal. And part of the brain uh, learning process is that emotional intelligence that's learned after we're out of the womb. And it's amazing when you think about what type of experiences we have as little kids, little boys and girls going through life, listening to our parents and our teachers and our loved ones and our caretakers constantly put in messages into our brain that we accept as truth. And then we go on with the rest of our lives, believing that to be true until somebody like myself or you comes along and says, Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to believe all that shit that you were told back when you were a kid, you could have different perspectives and different viewpoints. If you, uh, you know, if you choose to, I love that the learned helplessness is, is big with me. Yeah. Talk to us about a time in your own particular journey where perhaps you might've had that mindset. And what did you do to overcome those circumstances to become the man you are today? Yeah, I love that you're doing that for your, your son. You're right. The first five to seven years, we are essentially programming this, this hardware with software. And those so the software that's programmed is, to your point, Chris, all the conversations that are around us, our parents, our teachers, our friends. And then we developed, after, after the five to seven years, we developed these paradigms, which is a multitude of habits that are just running on autopilot. And we don't think twice about it. We're not challenging it or stopping in, a, in awareness to change that paradigm. And we'll get back to that. So for me, I had a toxic environment growing up, standard American mm -hmm. diet. Uh, parents worked all the time, hung around with drug dealers, did drugs, sold drugs, addict addicted to video games, obese, physically obese, mentally obese. And it wasn't until I was 24 years old back in 2008 where I was rock bottom and wanting to give up on life and looking for ways to end my life. And I kept thinking about my mom every time I pursued that. And I kept thinking about all the stuff she would have to deal with if I took my life. So it stopped me. But it was a vicious cycle of looking for ways to end my life, thinking about my mom stopping myself for weeks and actually months I was doing that until eventually I started to read books. Um, Bob Proctor, who's right here in this photo behind me, uh, the, the man who recently passed away, Bob Proctor, uh, other authors like Jim Rohn and a lot of people that we both studied, Dr. Wayne Dyer. I started to become obsessed with books because it opened up a whole new world to me. And the books did so many things for me. But the number one thing the books did for me helped me take ownership and responsibility. Oh, dude, you're reading my mind. <laughs> you're reading my mind right now. Responsibility, it's our greatest ability, is the ability to respond to life. Now, my ability to respond to life up until that point was very poor. I was blaming my enabling family members, the government, the news, my slow metabolism, my genetics. I mean, I was the victim of everything. But when you take ownership and responsibility, you become the victor of the future, no longer the victim of the history. Uh, so what happened to me is I went through this incredible transformation. I lost 80 pounds, went from 34% body fat to 6% body fat. Thank you, bro. Damn. 38 waist to size 30. Uh, finally carved out a physical six pack. But the most important thing I achieved was this mental six pack. And I started to understand how important your thoughts were. And that was 14 years ago. I've been still working on myself ever since, but- I'm really uh, clear and aware of the thoughts I'm having each day. And I'm, I'm focusing and working on changing that paradigm so it could serve me and those around me better. And that's what it's all about as you teach. Oh, dude, I love that. I love what an amazing story. What were some of your biggest excuses and what were the ways that you overcame them? Oh man, I had a whole list of excuses. Um, my mom always, cause I was living with my mom at the time. She's always buying, you know, pizza and donuts. And how could I, not eat that if it's in the house all the time, right? She's, you know, she wants to spoil me and why is she bringing it out in the household to blame my mom? Um, 
my dad was diabetic and overweight. So it's just, it runs into my genes and I can't control that. It's just, you know, bad luck. Uh, my slow metabolism, just bad luck. So those were a few of a long list of excuses that I had. Oh, nice. Um, that's why I like to ask that because I'm the no excuses coach. I get people that tell me, um, let's actually talk about that for a second, you know, and think about excuses. One of the biggest excuses that I hear, and I was actually just coaching somebody this morning about it, is they said they didn't feel like it. And we said, you know what? I know I should do it, but I just don't feel like it. And I have lots of rebuttals for that. But what do you say when somebody comes to you and says, oh man, Ben, I just, I just don't feel like it. I just, I just don't have it. Or I'm not a morning person or, or something like that. What are, what are some of the things you come back with them and, uh, and as in order to shift their perspective on that? They're, they're interested. They're not committed. I mean, they're, it sounds like a good idea to accomplish that goal, but they're, they're not willing to do the work. Um, excellence. The word excellence simply means a commitment to completion. And if somebody is not committed to doing that, they're just not committed. They're just interested. And that's not enough to get the results you want. So I would say this, and I want to hear what you say. Sure. Well, a parent, right? You're a parent. I, I don't have a kid yet, but a mom and a dad who has a newborn wakes up at 3 a.m. The newborn's crying and needs to be changed. They don't feel like waking up and changing the diaper, but they're committed to that baby and that goal. So they're going to do whatever it takes, no matter, it doesn't matter if they feel like it or not. So that's what you want to do. You want to find a goal worthy enough to have that sort of commitment and love with that's called a worthy ideal. That's what Earl Nightingale says. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, a goal you have fallen in love with. So find that goal. And then the steps needed to get there. It doesn't matter if you feel like it or not. It's the commitment and the love of hitting that goal and on your way to getting that goal that's going to supersede any of your feelings. Mm, I love that. I love that. For me, honestly, and thank you for asking that, I think for me personally, it's it's a two-part situation. Number one, it's having a big enough why. I know for me, I've always been goal-driven and very successful in my life. But back in 2008, I went to a funeral for one of my coworkers. I used to be in corporate. I had a very successful corporate career. And I went to a funeral for one of my coworkers and I was sitting in the back of the church and, you know, I was there to, to honor her and everything else. And all of a sudden I just found myself listening to people eulogize her. And I was like, wow, I never knew that she had done so many different things in her life. And it just really impacted me. I'm like, wow. And so I asked myself a question. As I said, I love asking myself questions. And I said, Chris, if you died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? And it was in my early thirties. I think I just graduated my master's degree, very successful again. And I thought, you know what? Hmm probably about 10 or 15 people are going to show up. They're going to bring bottles of Jack Daniels and uh, cases of Miller Genuine Draft and Motley Crue and Bon Jovi records. And they're going to tell all the stories about what Chris did, but fucking made them laugh or was stupid. They're going to, oh, remember that time Chris did this? Remember that time he passed out and we stacked food on his head? And I sat there and I thought about it. I'm like, they'll probably, then they'll say, oh yeah, by the way, he was homeless and he overcame all that and got a master's degree. You know, it'd be like, like 20 seconds of great stuff, but it'd be like all sorts of hilarity and humor, which is fine. But when I was driving home, it, it really hit me. And I was like, wow, you know, I could die at any point in time. The legacy that I get to leave is the one that I'm building in each and every moment of my life. So I went home and I wrote my eulogy and the God's honest truth. I wrote it out by hand and I got done with it. And I didn't even really know what I was doing. I think I was being channeled by God, source, creator, whatever. I mean, whatever works for you. And when I read it back to myself, when I got to this part, which has remained the same ever since I wrote it back in 2008, it said, Christopher Roush will have fought for what was right and what was fair. He will have risked for which that mattered. And he will have left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. After I wrote that, the next question I started asking myself during those periods where I was kind of down, I'm like, Chris, is this fulfilling that legacy or taken away from that legacy? And then being honest with my, and being honest with myself, um, 
sorry, I'm getting a phone call. Um, being honest with myself and recognizing that I'm what I'm doing right now is not fulfilling that legacy. So now I have an opportunity. I can either keep doing what I'm doing and be lazy and, and have excuses, or I could stop what I'm doing and say, how do I need to redirect myself in order to fulfill that legacy? And that's a challenge. And that's why a lot of people aren't successful because they don't have that ability, that commitment, that discipline, like you said before, to be able to shift that. So for me, in working with my clients, when they sit there and say, I don't feel like waking up at 5 a.m., like we talk about stuff and I'm like, okay, when can you own an hour of your day? Oh my God, Chris, I got this and I got this and I, you just don't understand. I've got this. And I'm like, well, it's amazing because I know a lot of people who have way more stuff than you and they're really successful. It's just about what they prioritize and what they what they're disciplined with. So when they say, oh, I just don't feel like it, I'll ask them like, okay, so let me just, let me just set the record straight. So you don't feel like getting up at five o'clock in the morning, but you're okay with feeling like maybe in 20 years taking 30 medications because you didn't do the things you needed to do right now. Are you, are you, is that what you're saying? Well, no, 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 no. Okay. So what you're saying is that you're okay with having regrets later on in life because you took it for granted right now that you were always going to be healthy and you didn't want to put in the discipline now to make sure you had a great foundation as you got older. Is that correct? Well, no, Chris. I'm like, okay, well then explain it to me. And I sit there and I, I just sit back. I'm like, please help me understand. So for me, you may not feel like doing X, Y, and Z. And I think Mel Robbins did a great job in her book and her talk about five, four, three, two, one. We have five seconds to, to talk ourselves out of something to keep ourselves safe and certain. I tell them like, you may not feel like doing the work, but we feel like the result. And so I get them to focus on that. What are your thoughts on that? I love that. It's you're, you're kind of project showing them the future of one decision versus another decision. And I think it's a great way to to get things clear in front of them because either you make this decision and do it, whether you feel like it or not, or you go by your feelings and then this is what your future looks like. You're on these meds, you're unhappy or broke or whatever it is. So I think that's great, uh, a great way to coach them. And the Mel Robbins five second rule, yeah, that is a great tool as well. You know, the five, four, three, two, one, get your butt up and whatever action you want to do. She has her new book with the with the. Uh, high five habit as well. So yeah, all that's great. I love that you coach that and it, and it works, right? So that's the value of having a coach. When you have a coach like Chris coaches, you your coach all your clients, I coach mine. It takes decades of learning, decades of results and it condenses that into essentially days. You have somebody who sees greatness in you even when you don't see it in yourself. You have somebody who believes in you even sometimes when you don't believe in yourself and they're giving you the roadmap to get whatever needs to be done whether you feel like it or not. So when you have a coach, you're hiring that coach because they obviously have the results that you want or they could teach you how to get those results and you do whatever it takes. I'm that type of person. If my coach tells me, hey, in order for you to make another 50K per month, you need to go in the corner of the room upside down for 30 minutes. I would do it for an hour each day. That's the type of person I am, dude, committed. <laughs> I love it. I love that discipline. That's crazy. Um, I had a couple of questions that just went through my brain. Um, let's shift gears for a second, you know, and thinking about, you know, what you have been through and that's an amazing story. I want to kind of dig into that for a second. What, talk to us about what happened to your relationships as you personally started changing. Did you, were you able to stay around the people that you hung around with before? Or did you find yourself gravitating towards new people in your life? And talk to us about that segue. If there was one. Oh man. Um, probably 80% of the people that I was in my life that time are no longer in my life or they're very scattered. Yeah, exactly. Um, here's the truth. And yeah. you know this, Chris, when oh, you yeah. change, you become a threat to everybody in your life who does not change. Amen. And, uh, it's so much easier for them to pull you back down to their level and their vibration than it is for them to change. So it always reminds me of the crabs in a bucket. Have you heard yeah. the crabs in a bucket story? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll share it for your audience in case they haven't heard it. You could put 20 crabs in a bucket, leave that bucket there overnight without a lid, come back in the morning. And guess what? All 20 crabs are still in that bucket. 
you're thinking there's no lid. Why didn't they just break free? Well, anytime a crab tried to crawl out of that bucket and break for freedom, the other crab saw it and would claw back at it, drag it back down and keep them in that trap. We have people in our lives that are crabs in the bucket. And it's really subtle. They're going to say things like, you don't need to do all that. I mean, you have your little, your, your job so secure or, you know, eat that pie. You know, it makes me feel good for you to eat my food or whatever subtle comment. And it's not so much the haters because that's obvious, but it's the friends and the family members, the naysayers, and it's the yeah. comments. So you got to be aware that's going to happen. That's where the why comes into play. You said you have to have a strong why. When your why is strong, everything else becomes easier and reasons come before results. So yes, to answer your question, I had to cut a lot of people out who weren't on my frequency and my vibration. But you know what? When one door closes, another bigger and better door opens. So new people enter my life, people that were now on my on my frequency. Not that I'm better than anybody else. It's right. just different frequencies, different goals, and your vibe attracts your tribe. So now my vibration is attracting a certain uh, vibration. And that's, you know, a blessing, even though back then it was very challenging. So what about you? Did you experience something similar? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I look at things as, as uh, people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. We've, we've heard that statement yeah. before, but it's for me, it's so true. And, you know, I've had situations where I've had to wish people well. I had, I have a half sister, same mom, different dad. Um, I wished her well. I was, uh, she left when I was nine years old. She was 16 and I reunited with her back in 2005. I found her via the internet, this thing that they said wouldn't last <laughs> and uh, re reacquainted myself with her. And within about, I think it might've taken me a year before I wished her well again. And I found out that she was such a victim. She turned out exactly like my mom. She mm. hated my mom. She, she actually said, how's your mom doing? It was so crazy, but I found out she was exactly like her. I never really like believed in genes and, and all that other stuff. But my sister left when she was 16 years old, she turned out exactly like her. So I had to wish her well. And I've had some other friends that I've had to wish well and no hard feelings either. You know, it's been like, Hey, you know, it was a great ride, but I'm doing these things now and you're doing those things and it's okay. You know, we don't have to try to keep everything going in our life. You know, things are meant to happen that way. And some people have been super awesome. Like Chris, I love that perspective. You know, that's cool. I, and I, I tell them like, I'll be there for you if you ever need me, but I don't see us like hanging around and stuff like that, but it's okay. You know, you got your deal. You got, I got my deal. What I found out from some of those people is trying to be nice and, and, and articulate and really compassionate towards that conversation and not being a dick. Some of those people came back and one of them was used to be my best friend and he was trying to re-engage with me. And I'm just like, there was so much bad blood over the, over the years. And I didn't hate him or anything. I was like, just go live your life, dude. It's cool. And as soon as I told him that, and I said, you know, Robert, da, 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 he writes back, he goes, I'll delete you out of my phone. And that's all he wrote. And I was just like, well, that answered my question. Thank you very much. But, you know, I find a lot of people sit there and they, they want to hang on to those things because it's, you know, it's familiar and everything else. Yeah. Talk to us about, talk to us about that. You know, people want that security, that safety, that, that comfort. One of the terms that I've coined recently when I left corporate, I was in corporate, my last company I worked at was for 26 years. I was a director of operations, super successful, but I coined the fact that I was comfortably miserable made six mm. figures, great money, great office, great team, six weeks of vacation. Every other Friday off, I was comfortably miserable. And I was still doing my coaching and my speaking on the side. What are your recommendations for people who are sitting there? They're, they're perhaps in their, their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. They're in that spot where they're like, wow, you know, I haven't achieved everything that I want in my life and I don't want any regrets, but man, I've got it pretty good right here. And I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to start back where I did in my 20s. What are some thoughts that you have to get people to, 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 to evolve past that mindset to be able to really go for their dreams? Yeah, it's, it's a very important topic because security is not based off of a job. Security is an inside job. 
Yep. So uh, there's no job that's secure. I mean, a corporation could decide to fire a thousand people today and you might be one of those people. So either we're creating or disintegrating. Nothing in this universe stays the same. Everything is moving. This water is moving. Everything is moving. So if you're comfortable, that's a dangerous spot. Like you said, comfortably miserable is what you said, right? Yep. That is a very dangerous spot. The comfort zone is a dangerous place to be. But here's the deal. You cannot escape a prison if you don't know you're in one. Right. So a mm. uh, cubicle that you're unhappy with is a well-decorated prison cell. <laughs> so <laughs> I recommend getting out of that. If that's not something that lights you up, I mean, come on. You only have so much time on planet Earth. If you really want to get inspired to make a decision that's going to serve you and your future and your family, go read the book, The, five, the Top Five Regrets of the Dying which the, the author, you know that book, Chris? Uh, you got it right behind you, don't you? <laughs> uh, actually, I moved it. It's it's up on my shelf. Yes, I buy, the, I buy copies for people. Yeah. That's so, so awesome. So brilliant because that book, Bonnie Ware is the author. She was a hospice nurse in Australia and she would sit with people on their deathbed in the hospice, hundreds of people, and she would survey each person. What was your biggest regret? What was your biggest regret? And she determined there's five regrets of the dying. But the number one regret of people on their deathbed was living a life not on purpose with their purpose, but living a life of what others expected of them. Meaning, you know, I expect you to work until you're 65 and get your payment plan and retirement, except I expect you to do this, but it's not what you want. And that's a big regret. So read the book you know, Chris understands how important that is to not have those regrets. So I would say this, and then I'm going to hear your thoughts on this. We want to make smart decisions. I, I'm not saying to just leave your job without a plan, right. have a plan, but work towards that plan, hire a coach, do whatever it takes. You want to find your why your Dharma, your, the Greek call it, the Greeks call it the telos. You want to find your purpose and live on purpose with your purpose. I can tell you this. I wake up every day and I'm super excited and grateful for all the things that are on my calendar. I had this on my calendar. I was super excited to speak with you, Chris. I know you're living life the same way. You know how I know it? Because you're energized, you're enthusiastic, you're happy. And if you were not living a life on purpose with your purpose, that would not be the case. So we live, if you live in America, you live in the greatest country in the, in the world and you have the opportunity to create whatever life you want. Even if you're not in America, you could still create something magnificent. So that would be my advice to somebody watching here. What about you, Chris? Oh, I love that. No, actually, when you say when you five regrets of the dying, big time, all my social media posts, if you look at them, always say hashtag no regrets. Mm -hmm. Because for me, that's like one of the biggest leverage points when I sit there and I think about things. And for me, one of the ways that I was able to reshape my perspective about certain aspects of my life is the fact that when I had my coach, she indicated, she goes like, Chris, you're in survivor mode. And I'm like, there's survivor mode. No, I'm successful. I own two houses. You know, I'm, I'm, I make good money. I'm, I'm not in survivor mode. She goes, yeah, you are. Cause you're always having to plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You have to be certain based on the fact that you're a homeless seventh grade dropout living in the backseat of a station wagon. You're in that predictability pattern. You need to be more in the confidence pattern to know that things are happening for you and not to you. So once I started developing that mindset and really recognizing that, you know, the, the gift of life is here in this moment. You know, this moment with you and I, we're having an amazing moment right now. We're, we're having a great conversation. We're inspiring people. For me, that's where the juice is. Before, 
I would live in the past or I would live in the future. I would be pontificating and thinking about the past. What could I have done differently? And always in the future, like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this because I figured out what the success plan was. I knew how to impress people. I knew how to overachieve. I knew the, the secrets to success of getting up and overworking everybody else, but ultimately found out that I was not living in the moment. And then when my son was born, you know, I made this really conscious decision. I, I, I literally gave up my speaking career, which was, which was very lucrative and, and very awesome. And it was right around the time I rebranded where I was the suit and tie speaker walking around saying everything else everybody else is saying. And I did the little hand thing. And then I was like, fuck it. I just want to be me. I just want to be raw and scripted. I just want to be the kick-ass guy. And people told me not to do it. I mean, I had a, a, a great conversation with the great Les Brown, since you know about all these amazing individuals. I went to Les Brown's speaker training in Los Angeles, California, 2014 or something like that. And Les Brown was one of my, he and Tony Robbins, their tapes and their books, everything like helped me become the person that I am today. And having that opportunity with Les, that first day in that speaker training workshop, he saw me in my bandana and everything and everybody else, he got, they got 20 minutes. Like you did an introductory speech. He wanted to see where you spoke, how you were. And then he was going to guide the curriculum around that. He spent an hour on me in front of these other speakers. And he's like, you know, you're doing this bandana thing. And he goes, do you swear in front of the kids you mentor? Because I mentor at-risk kids. And I'm like, Les, I speak to the kids how they speak to one another. I said, it's not disrespectful. It's not vulgar. I'm just using words, the different words that, that people use. So for me, it's about connection. So I'm not going to sit there and pretend, say these words that these kids don't understand. I want to make a connection with people. I just want to be real. The third day of the training, one of the, the, the benefits of the package was that Les was going to interview you in his hotel room. Like Les Brown is the interview. I'm like, holy shit for me. I, and I have pictures of it and everything. But the funny thing is he came into the room the very last day and he goes, he walks in in front of everybody else, everybody else. And there, everybody's trying to convince me to put a suit and tie on. And he walks in, he goes, what's up, Mr. Kickass? He goes, what's up? He goes, uh, he goes, got, he goes, you got one of those kerchiefs for me. He was talking about my bandana and I, whenever I go to an event, I carry extra bandanas in my back pocket. Cause I like christen people like you're unstoppable. You're kick-ass. And I show them how to fold a bandana and we put it on, we take pictures. And uh, I said, absolutely. And I said, what color do you want? And he goes, give me the blue one. And I go to hand it to him and he goes, no, no, no fool. He goes, put it on. So by the third day, I had connected with Les so much that he asked me and I have pictures of it. I folded the bandana. I put it on him. We did some gang like stances and everything else. And for me, that just solidified I don't want to have any regret not being me. I just, I truly authentically want to be me. He pulled me, this is no shit. He pulled me out into the uh, lobby of the Sheridan Gateway Hotel in Los Angeles after that, after we did our interview. And he said, Chris, I could put you on stages. He goes, I could, he goes, you're an amazing speaker. He goes, but I can't do this. He goes, you know, I wear a suit and tie. He goes, just put the suit and tie back on. He goes, we could do a lot of things together. And I remember standing right by a, a, a lamp. And I just remember, because I remember it vividly. And I went, wow, I've waited my, all my life to be able to hear Tony Robbins or Les Brown tell me like, I've got the goods to be able to go out there and be a speaker. That's why I signed up for a speaking boot camp. And I said, honestly, and I had like a split second. I said, Les, I got to be me. I said, I just, I, I said, I've been somebody else my entire life. And he's like, well, I don't wear a suit and tie all the time. You know, I wear sweatpants. And he actually confidentially told me at the time it's public knowledge. Now he told me, he goes, he goes, my hair isn't even black. He goes, I have to use mascara because, because of my, cause I'm black and I'm African-American whatever he said it. He goes, you know, I can't use regular hair dye. He goes, so I put the costume on because, but you know, I impact a lot of lives and I make a lot of money. And I told him, I said, Les, it's not about that for me anymore. So for me, thinking about the regrets is I just, I, for me, I just want to be who I am every single day, give my heart to people and, and make an impact in this world that, you know, five minutes from now, my son will look at this interview and go right up until the point he died. My dad was all about making the world a better place. So that's the way I've overcome it. What is, what is your why? What's like your big why in life? Yeah, no, it's an awesome story. I love that. So, so cool. I love Les Brown's work as well. And, and Tony Robbins and, 
yeah, you know, I acknowledge you, Christopher, for being raw and unscripted, just being your authentic self. I remember Bob Proctor saying, if I want to be free, I've got to be me. Not the me my wife thinks I should be. Not the me my kids think I should be. Not the me my friends think I should be. If I want to be me, I got to be free. Excuse me. If I'm going to be free, I've got to be me. So I better know who me is, right? You obviously know who you are. So you live in, you live life on purpose with your purpose. So awesome, awesome story. Um, for me, my why is to put a dent in disease, to wake up a billion people. The, the, the goal, the mission of Keto Camp, my company, is to educate and to inspire one billion people. And I say that because we have uh, so many people who are suffering, unnecessarily suffering through mm-hmm. cancer, diabetes, autoimmune disease. I mean, you name it. There's a whole set of symptoms and, and disease out there, and it's unnecessary. And I always tell people, if you treat your health casually, you're going to end up a casualty. That's a a quote right there. (laughs) So you want to become aware. And then number two, work on your health and take responsibility and take less hits. So you're able to make a big impact and have energy for your friends, your family, and and be around here. So I lost my dad in 2014 through the complications of diabetes. And I saw firsthand Mm -hmm. what happens when somebody gets sick in the family. Not only is the person who gets sick suffering, but his family, his friends, it's everybody around them. So being unhealthy is the most selfish thing you can do because not only are you going to suffer, but everybody in your life who knows you, they suffer as well. So you got to take ownership and responsibility. So our mission is to educate and inspire a billion people and to help a billion people understand your body was built to heal. There's three steps to healing your body and living a long, healthy life. Number one, identify the interference. Number two, work on removing the interference. And number three, allow your body to heal. You were built to heal. Les Brown said, you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. You have incredible healing capabilities, but we need to do our job and take responsibility, identify the interference, work on removing it so you could not become a statistic to disease, but more of living a life on your own terms. So what inspires me is to get this message out to a hundred, excuse me, to a billion people, to educate them and to empower them with information that I know works and it works to help extend their life and help band. So that's, that's my big why brother. Oh, I love that. I love that. I mean, taking the situation with your dad and, and giving it meaning and purpose behind that. Um, talk to us about keto camp. What is that? What was the inspiration? I mean, obviously the inspiration for you to start that was with your dad, but what is, what has that journey been like for you? And what are some things that perhaps people don't understand about the ketogenic diet? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll start with the latter question. So those, so we could get a clear understanding of, of keto. Sure. Keto is popular. I mean, everybody knows about keto, keto diet, ketogenic diet. Uh, but keto technically is not even a diet. It's a, it's a metabolic process, simply put. And ketosis has been around for as long as humans have existed. So there's nothing new about keto. It might be new to somebody or nuance, but it's been around forever. The way I look at ketosis is it's a great process to tap into and tap out of. But we want to utilize this process because it helps you lower inflammation, which is key to living a longer life helps you burn fat. I've seen it reverse insulin resistance, diabetes, uh, shut off brain fog, turn on mental clarity and cognition. So ketosis is a great ancient healing strategy that all of our ancestors went through. And when you use it the right way, it does amazing things. I'm not dogmatic about it. I don't think we should do keto for the rest of our lives. I think we should use it to achieve metabolic flexibility and go in and out of ketosis, which is the premise behind uh, my book, Keto Flex. 
So Keto Camp is my company, and we do that through our podcast. We educate through our podcast, like your podcast, YouTube channel, TikTok. We just achieved 30 million downloads on TikTok, primarily in the last 12 months, dude. So Damn. Uh, we're, we're headed towards that 1 billion goal faster than I anticipated. Um, I have four best-selling books, and we're just committed. We're 100% virtual. We have training programs that are Keto Camp Academy and all that, but a lot of free information as well. So we just want to get the information and meet people where they're at. So they're on TikTok now. We'll meet you on TikTok. We'll put out 30 to 60 second videos and we'll meet you there. So we're on all social media platforms. I love it. I love it. You know, it's, it's really, like you said before in the conversation, Ben, it's about awareness. And then like, for me, I call it the triple A thread. It's about awareness. It's about acceptance. And then it's about action, that acceptance of taking responsibility for where we're at. And just to your point about inflammation, I have chronic uh, pain uh, problems. I, I have bad. I had back surgery back in 2019, a, a two-level disc fusion. Um, I, they, according to the MRIs, I need more surgeries, and I've been on the cusp of needing them. But what was interesting is that my doctor has never ever asked me, Chris, what does your diet consist of? Yeah, never. And so recently, at the end of uh, last year. As, as at the end of the year, I usually do, I go through these phases where I'm like in super great shape. And then I like summertime, usually I drink some beer, have some pizza, you know, I'm still in great shape, but for the most part, I kind of let go a little bit. And then I go back onto a phase where I'm, where I'm good again. Last year, uh, November, December, probably October, November, December, started eating Halloween candy a little bit, you know, not too bad. You know, like I was gorging on it, had a couple of, you know, mixed drinks, you know, some Jack Daniels or whatever. It's good for my body. Right. Um, you know, cake and just, you know, like fattening foods. Before I knew it, I woke up one day and my pain in my back was so bad that I could barely walk. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to probably need another surgery. I'm like, wait a minute, Chris. And I kind of knew this, but I proved it this time. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go like full on keto. I'm going to eliminate sugar, gluten, um, alcohol, everything, you know, basically just go super clean. And so we have, uh, we have this, uh, company that sends us pre-made foods or something like that. That's one of the ways we kicked it off. So it was like just your basic core things. Within about two to three weeks, my pain was at a level where I could actually walk around the block. I mean, I couldn't even walk very much. Progressively, wow. progressively, after two and a half months, I was in way better shape. The pain was still there. It was back to the, the marginal aspect of it was. Talk to us about that. Why, why is inflammation such a, a critical factor for us to pay attention to with the foods that we consume and the, and the, and the, and the, and the drinks that we consume as well? Yeah. Yeah. You know, inflammation is the root cause of pretty much every disease out there. It was on the cover of Time magazine. And when we were, when Chris and I are, are speaking about inflammation, we're not talking about acute inflammation. We're talking about chronic low grade inflammation that sticks around and creates problems. So the, the way I want your audience to think about inflammation is the word oxidation. Okay. Same thing. So if I bit into an apple and I put the apple on the counter here and I came back in three or four hours and I look at the apple, it turns brown, right? Oxidation. That's similar to what's happening inside of your body at the cellular level when you have too much inflammation. Now, of course, it's the foods we eat. It's also the thoughts you think that has a role of inflammation. But when you're eating a lot of sugar, well, the human body has a really tightly controlled system in place for regulating sugar, blood glucose. The human body optimally wants one, only one to two teaspoons of of uh, sugar in the bloodstream at all times. Anything more is that that's elevated. It's considered a toxic state. So not to get too sciencey, but the pancreas then produces insulin. Insulin then takes the excess glucose, puts it into your cells. Now, if that happens from time to time, no big deal. Right. But when you're eating carbohydrates at every meal, processed carbohydrates, the candy from Halloween, like you mentioned, and you're eating often and snacking, 
high glucose, high insulin, all of a sudden the insulin becomes, the pancreas becomes worn out and then you develop insulin resistance, which leads to diabetes and then diabetes leads to heart disease and amputations and kidney failure. So it doesn't happen overnight. It's a progression, but that's one example. But even if it's not sugar, it could be uh, sleep habits. You have poor sleep habits or you're too sedentary and you're not moving. So we want to look at all these areas, but nutrition is a big part of that, especially like not, uh, we want to eat non-GMO organic foods. We want to avoid pesticides and herbicides, which are inflammatory. So the best we can do that, and I don't expect anybody to be perfect, but you just want to be better. If you could just get better each day, that is important. You're going to lower inflammation. Keto is a big part of lowering inflammation. I could get into the science. Intermittent fasting is also a great way to heal the body. So it's these ancient healing strategies that have been around forever that we could use that could really heal the body because the new problem we have, people are eating the same foods over and over and over. They're never changing their foods. They're eating a stupid American diet, AKA standard American diet. So we want to get away from that and eat real food. That's the goal. Mm, I love it. I love it, man. It's so, it's so, you know, important. Um, one of the most important aspects that I find, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like I said before, when I've done these complimentary coaching calls and I've listened to people and watched them on these zoom calls, one of the things that I found out is like just the basics, just the basics. So when I've asked people like, Oh, I don't have energy. I've got brain fog or I got all this stuff. I ask them one question and you just kind of did it. I'm like, I ask them how much water do you drink a day? <laughs> and I'm, I know, you know, this, I was blown away at how people, how little people know about the importance of hydration. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, what, what, what percent I'll ask the, the next question I'll ask them is when they say, Oh yeah, I don't drink any water. I what do you drink? I drink coffee. I drink diet soda. I drink this. And they think they're all doing great because they're drinking diet soda. I'm like, have you ever seen what, what soda does to a battery? I mean, you ever seen what soda does to a nail? Um, I know when I quit drinking soda, like when I go on my two to four month absences of, of drinking anything, carbonate or like that, um, I, the first time I drink it, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I could, you know, it's going to burn through my stomach because you just haven't had it in a while. And I, and I tell him, like, the other question I ask him is, what percentage of your body do you think is water? And And I thought everybody knew, like, you know, depending on the studies you see, you know, 80%, 70%, 73%, 90%, whatever it is. Talk to us about that because, you know, when I sit there and I say, you know, your, your, your whole system right now would probably be so much better if you drank half your body weight in ounces of water, which is something that I personally do. What are your thoughts on that hydration factor? And, and how can you stress the importance of that to the people that are listening or watching? Yeah. Hydration is so important to your point. Most of the body is made up of uh, water, high percentages water. So it's also the quality of water, right? You don't just want to drink bad water, a bad water source. So here are the best types of water. I mean, a natural spring source would be great if you could find a natural spring. If you're doing something like a reverse osmosis or something that filters out all the bad stuff, that's great too, but you want to remineralize with electrolytes or sea salt because it strips everything. Um, I have a different viewpoint on the total amount of water you should drink each day. I agree. Most people are dehydrated and under drinking. So what I tell people is, okay, you want to drink when you're thirsty and get this intuition, you know, your body's thirsty, but also look at your urine. You want to make sure your urine is mostly clear. You don't want to have dark urine and you don't want to have completely clear urine, but somewhere in between there is a good sweet spot that your cells are being hydrated. Most people, they're on the dark side of the urine. So they got to really ramp up the water. So they might need to hit that half your body weight in ounces. Some people could get away with less like myself. So I would look at your urine as kind of a clue to whether or not you're hydrating properly. 
Oh, that's a, that's that's a good one as well. Yeah, I've been uh, I've, when I was in corporate, I would sit there and I would be in the restroom when somebody else was peeing or somebody not to be super graphic, but I'm like, dude, you need to drink some fucking water. You know, you can like smell it, like, oh yeah, I need to drink some water. And then they would go on a bitch about how tired they are. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Easy thing for them to do to get some energy. Yeah, you're right. It's something, it's something, man. I know what I feel when I know when I'm dehydrated, I just, I know it, you know, I'm just so in tune with my body. And I think that's one of the most important factors that I want people to take from this conversation is to be in tune with your body, you know, be in tune with what, how your engine, how your machine works and make sure you're, you're, you're optimizing that for the, the benefits of all the other things that we talked about in this conversation tonight, man, we've been, we've been going for 47 minutes, brother. This has been amazing. I got to have you back on where can people get a hold of you to continue this uh, amazing conversation and get a hold of you and perhaps, you know, get into your, 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 uh, your programs and uh, check out your podcast yeah thank you christopher may may i share like uh one more minute of just like yeah, go go for it absolutely yeah, my, yeah. closing segment here if you will sure first of all thank you for having me this has been a lot of fun i'm grateful we met through the owl app and that was super cool and you're doing awesome work i love your energy and vibe so thank you so much for the great questions and the great being a great host um thank you. i want to share real quick just to recap the conversation there is something we can take every single day that is a vitamin that is called vitamin G. And this is the strongest vitamin in the world. We didn't discuss this yet, right, Christopher? That's right. Good <laughs> so point. I'm glad I you wanted, remembered it. I wanted to make sure I got it in there. So thank you for allowing Good. me. Good. No, I, I love this. Yes. This vitamin, vitamin G, is stronger than any vitamin you could find in any supplement store. Now, Dr. Joe Dispenza, if you're familiar with his work, he did brain scans on thousands of individuals and he's given them this vitamin, vitamin G. And he looked at the brain scans. And what he saw is that 1200 chemical reactions went on instantaneously when they took these vitamins to, that puts the body in a healing anti-inflammatory restorative state. So this vitamin is called vitamin gratitude. Are you practicing gratitude on a daily basis? Because what you appreciate appreciates. It's free. There's no other supplement that could compare to vitamin G. So I encourage your audience to get into a gratitude practice and attitude of gratitude. Every night I write down gratitude before bed. I do it in the morning. I'm constantly reminding myself of what I'm grateful for because what you appreciate appreciates and what you think about and what you think about, you bring about. So I wanted mm -hmm. to share that. And then to close the conversation on a quote from Bob Proctor, Bob Proctor said, don't look back in anger. Don't look forward in fear. Instead, look around you in awareness. Okay. Always remember that present moment awareness. And once you're aware, you can do great things in this world. And to answer your question, Chris, my website is benazadi.com. You could find everything on there. The website's right there. I also am on Facebook and Instagram. It's at the Benazadi. You got that handled. And if you want to get my book, uh, I didn't tell you about this, but it's KetoFlexBook, KetoFlexBook.com. It's available on paperback. Kindle and on Audible as well. So thank you for allowing me to share that, Chris. You 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 nailed it. And what's funny, as soon as you said that, um, yeah, we we totally didn't get into that. Um, but in for everybody's benefit, I just want to make sure that uh, those listening on the podcast, the last name is A Z A D I. So Ben Azadi, A Z A D I. Uh, be sure to check with them, connect with them. Um, yeah, when you said you, I was like thinking about it, and you said, oh, I start, I end my day with gratitude. I write it down. I've got a gratitude journal by my by my nightstand. And when I wake up, I was going to ask you this question as well, but, um, when I wake up before, and I started this practice probably about three or four years ago, I would just, before my eyes open, I would say what I'm grateful for. 
Like as, as just thinking about, uh, the book, uh, the 5am club by Robin Sharma, you know, how do you get up and own that first hour of your day? And I thought, okay, you know, first thing I'm going to wake up in the morning, I'm going to start my day with gratitude. Like, you know, for usually we wake up and we go, Oh, what kind of day is it going to be? You know, when I was back in work, I'm like, fuck, what is this? You know, just kind of like start off with this minutia in my brain rather than like, you know, not even picking up my phone. So I start off with gratitude. And then what I do, what I've added to it in the last couple of years is I set the intention for the day. So in my brain, I say, my intention today is to be present and playful with my son. My intention today is to use my words and my actions to make the world a better place. And then I go into different ones. My intention today is to have great interviews and great conversations with people. My intention today, you know, is to whatever it might be. So that the, the before my eyes even open, I've already established the 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 plate, the the table, if you will, for what my day is going to be like. And, and you know, it's not perfect, but within that within that day, again, going back and asking my questions, is this fulfilling the intention that I set this morning? And if it isn't, if I'm being disappointed, Dunsky or something like that, or I'm being frustrated, I have to ask myself, okay, what can I do right now in this moment to recenter myself to make sure that I'm living in gratitude? And I look around and I say what I'm grateful for, or I'll just take a moment and do some deep breathing exercises and just kind of recenter myself and then be intentional again from that point forward to say, okay, listen, what, what is it that I can do right now? That's going to, that's going to help somebody else out. So giving to other people, like I said, at the top of the show, Amazing, amazing, amazing. But man, well, this has been an awesome conversation with you. I'm going to place you backstage for a second and uh, just make sure you guys, again, just go check out Ben, www.benazadi.com and connect with them on Facebook and Instagram, The Ben Azadi. Um, dude, this has been a great conversation. I'm going to place you back there. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to end out the show and then uh, I'll have a conversation with you again. Thank you. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the Ron and Scripted Show with yours truly, Christopher Roush, and my guest today, Ben Azadi. Ladies and gentlemen, the conversation tonight is really about what's going on in here. Like I said at the top of the show, what's going on? What conversations are you having with yourself? What conversations are you having with other people? Are they productive? Are they actually getting yourself to the place where you really truly want to be so that whenever your time is up, that you leave a legacy that you're proud of, that you've said the things that you needed to say and you've accomplished the things that you wanted to accomplish. But at the very least, at least whenever your time is going, make sure that you're in action with fulfilling that legacy because otherwise you're going to live with regret. And that's the thing, you know, that I'm so passionate about is making sure that each and every day you wake up and you're intentional about the person that you're becoming, not the person that you were, that you're intentional with the relationships and the connections that you're creating in the world and making sure, is this getting me closer to my stated goal or further from it? And being honest with yourself, you know, and getting yourself surrounded by people like Ben, you know, and people like myself, that's super important. I would not be the man I am today, the coach that I am today, the speaker that I am today, had I not had my coach back in 2000. Um, 19 and, and have a relationship with her ever since I just had a, a great follow-up call with her a couple of weeks ago, you know, having these people, having mentors in your, in your life, having a board of advisors, if you will, so that if you have a situation that's going on, you can reach out to somebody right away and say, Hey, you know, I need to pick your brain on this. I need you to be honest with me. Tell me if I'm fucking up. Tell me if I have a distorted perspective, you know, in, in my coach, my coaching program, we talk about a team. T-E-A-M, um, you know, somebody you trust, somebody who empowers you, somebody who holds you accountable and somebody who is a mentor. And they all can't be the same person. Because when I ask people like, who's your board of directors? Who's your team? Most often than not, I find out that they're all one person. And that is too much for one person. You need to have people in your life, experts and resources that you can go to and make sure that you're on the top of your game. Because ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this, this, this life, this thing we call life and the opportunities that we have in front of us it really matters that you set yourself apart from the competition, that you really rise to the top of who it is that you could become authentically, congruently, uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, be the best that you can be. And if you don't know what your best is, give me a call. I'll make sure that we find that out together. I love you guys. This has been the Raw and Scripted Show. 
check us out on the podcast. This is the video cast. And you guys can always go to the YouTube channel and check it out youtube.com forward slash the Christopher Roush. And of course, you could always go to ChristopherRoush.com and check out all the shows and everything that we got going on via clubhouse and owl and everything else. I love you guys. Stay click, stay kick ass, stay classy. And we'll see you next time here on the Ron and Scripted show. I'm Christopher Roush. Peace.